Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Seen It All, where we break down this week's biggest movie and TV news and the new movie, the big movie this week, the one we've been building up to for quite some time now is The Little Mermaid live action remake. And I just gotta say, this movie is exactly, it was kind of exactly what I thought it was going to be, but I thought it was going to be a good film. I thought it was going to be a good film that recreates timeless, the timeless classic in a serviceable way with the cast delivering stand-up performances that elevate the movie over its predecessor. And uh, the cast 100% delivered. I just want to go in fully into gushing about Halle Bailey at this point. Uh, she was amazing. I already had listened to her rendition of Part of Your World, but man, was it even, it was even better seen on the big screen. All of her songs, the new songs they added when she was on The Real World and she had her voices taken away. I'll talk about it in a second, but man, man, did she deliver in spades. And it really, it brought a whole, I thought Ariel in the original, she's kind of just, uh, she's a eh, princess for me. She's not one of my favorites. She's not one of the least favorites, but she's just kind of there. And when, especially when she loses her voice halfway through, you're like, oh, I don't really care because she can't talk now. But man, did Halle Bailey deliver. Um, Her scenes with Eric were great. They had great chemistry. You could actually tell they fell in love over three days versus the original where it kind of i don't know i want to say it forced but i'm not the huge fan i'm not the biggest fan of the original i think it's a good good disney classic but it's not one of my favorites it's kind of becomes ariel's not my favorite princess and then i don't really love her relationship with eric but man did you feel the chemistry between her and eric um and when her voice, when she loses her voice, like she does in the image film, you still get to hear songs in her head that she's singing, so you still hear her voice, and I think that went a long way to make me like this role of Ariel much more in this film, and she was a lot smarter in this one too, that helped. <laughs> and she was just, her her mermaid design, all the mermaid designs were great, but especially hers, it was just so beautiful, the, the, the way it was kind of like a part of her skin, but also not, and the scales and stuff, I just kept looking at her tail, because the beautiful, like, teal and purplish colors, oh, it's just so beautiful, I loved Halle Bay in this film, and thankfully she's getting the recognition she deserves, because she was fantastic, um, Melissa McCarthy as Ursula, she was kind of meh, when she first started, they kept cutting back to her in the main, like, I think they did it two or three times where they just kept cutting to her and her thoughts on what was happening in the story. And I was like, oh, we get it. Let's just get to when she meets her for the first time. Because it took them like 45 minutes to meet, I think. Um, when they finally, when Ariel finally met her and then she sang Poor Unfortunate Souls, I was like, oh, okay, I'm on board now. I get it. I like Melissa McCarthy in this role. And then there was one scene, I don't even give any context, but it was a really funny joke that caught me and my sister so off guard. We loved it. I was laughing really hard at it. I was like, oh, there's Melissa McCarthy, that one scene. I mean, I didn't want her to overtake the performance, but I did want some jokes with her. And she delivered on, she delivered one really good joke. <laughs> um uh the actress also when she becomes a human version to trick eric like in the animated classic the actress who played her she did a really good job i think she only had like five minutes of screen time she was great and it really just made the whole ursula character that battle and th that better and then the final the climax of the film the final battle um she just looked so epic ursula was great they did it so well without it made it look realistic without i mean it's not realistic what happens but when she gets real big, but they did, a, they did some really cool ideas with it, and looked, it just looked really, really cool, um, Eric already said he had a fantastic chemistry with Ariel, but, I mean, other than that, I don't think it was just passable, he didn't really stand out in my mind, Harry Styles was really sp originally supposed to have this role, I think he would have stood out more, but I think you want an Eric that's more laid back compared to the standouts of Ariel and Ursula, like, you think you need that grounding character, and then my other, other character that stand out was king triton um his relationship with ariel his father daughter was so much better than in the animated film in my opinion um like it was just so much better it 
it less he he didn't in the original let's just say he kind of already loves ariel he kind of already thinks like she's his favorite and in here she kind of has to earn that and there's more there's more conflict their relationship and a lot more meaningful conflict i feel especially the final moment with the two characters had much more payoff than the original and actually it got me a little choked up i mean i wasn't crying or anything but it, it made me feel emotional and that's exactly what they're trying to do and i think it really really worked um the sisters of ariel this of that there were gonna be like the seven c's they didn't add much i thought they could would have been used more in the film than they were because they all look so cool and they were they were a huge part of the marketing campaign with the seven sisters and each had different c's and stuff but i'm not even sure all of them had lines i think only three of them had lines <laughs> So I wish I would have saw more of them. And then Sebastian, Scuttle, and Flounder, they were all passable. I didn't think they stood out too much. Sebastian probably did the most, then, then Flounder. I mean, then Scuttle, then Flounder. Flounder still is just... The other two I can tell. The other two I'm okay with, but Flounder, there's just something so off about a seven-year-old boy's voice coming out of that fish thing. But the other two, it, I see more believable. Um, The CGI looked better than I thought it, thought it would, because... The trailers, the CGI didn't look great in the trailers, but it was because it was on a small screen. On the big screen, it definitely looked a lot better. And this movie was actually really colorful, which I'm happy to say because the first trailer did not look colorful. But damn, does this movie look colorful. It looks so cool. Um, but for my more negative stuff, the, f- the film is way too long. I think it's two hours and 15 minutes, 45 to 50 minutes longer than the original. And a few of the things they added, like they added something weird to the spell that Ursula cast that gets explained and it, it takes a minute for them they explain it and they explain the reasoning why you don't need that i'm like why did we add that it was no so unnecessary it was like a problem and then a solution two seconds later i was like that didn't even be added that just took up two minutes of screen time um and there were scenes that explained something twice or we kept we cut back like i said we cut back to ursula a couple of times we cut back to king triton while we're on the mainland and it just it was not needed whatsoever they were just they just weren't necessary and it felt like they just needed to pad out the runtime to make it seem like oh it's a ton of new stuff because it's not a ton of new stuff which i i kind of wish there's more new stuff but the cast the performances of the cast definitely carried it um especially some of the human scenes which were most of the new scenes but they just recycled the same stuff over and over again about ariel like oh look at this oh look at this look at these great people and it's like, okay, but you did that two scenes ago. We get it. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a serviceable retelling of this original that pops because of the amazing cast. And I think people are going to love this film. At the end of the film, when they started playing Under the Sea over their credits, a little probably like three-year-old girl ran up to the front of the screen and started dancing as we were all leaving. And it was just so cute. And I think every I think families are going to love this. If you're a fan of the first film, see this movie. But if, if not, I think you skip it. Like if you're if you're let's say over the age of 15 and you haven't seen the original go watch the original but i don't think you need to see this new one especially yeah especially when you've seen the first one i don't know if you're gonna love this one um critics have been holding a rotten tomato score steady at 70 to 71 percent with most of them praising Halle bailey's and melissa mccarthy's performance as i said Halle bailey was fantastic um they say it's a good retelling of the story and that audiences will enjoy exactly what i honestly in the same way as i um the ones that don't like this film are saying the same thing are all saying the same things of they shouldn't have remade the film or they didn't change it enough which i don't think is like quite enough valid criticism like tell me how it's not a good movie not that it's just not as good as the original because we get it i i don't think it could be ri- better than the original but although i think it's better than the original like i'm not in love with the first one but i just judging it by that you're gonna have that you're, we've already done this like 15 times now with all live action remakes like give it up give it a rest just judge the movie by the movie um I just, uh, I just, it just really bothers me. Um, also, Rotten Tomatoes has a verified audience reaction, unlike Peter Pan now, so no one can review the film for casting a person of color that they didn't like because, because guys, it doesn't matter. Halle Bailey gave her outstanding performance. She's probably the best princess 
I have ever seen. Her performance was just next level. And just because she has a different pigmentation of skin, that doesn't mean she's awful. Like <laughs> Disney is not Disney is not hating on white people. They just cast the best actress in the role, and I think she was probably the best person they could find for this role. Um, I think audiences are going to love this film. Like I said, they love almost every live action remake at this point. I think tons and tons of people are going to bring their families to see this film. Um, box office projections look to back that up as Little Mermaid looks to debut with about a hundred to one hundred ten million for the three day weekend, and then one hundred twenty five to one hundred thirty million. It could go up to one hundred fifty, as some reports suggest, for the four day Memorial weekend. This would be an outstanding success for this film, and I think it will have it will have legs. Um, it's like Ariel got legs, ah, but a bang. Um, I could see this film crossing the billion dollar mark. Um, overseas, it looks to make about 60 million for a 180 million global start. And I think this number is much lower when compared to Fast X, which we'll talk about in a sec because no one is seen in Asia is buying tickets to see this movie, um, especially in China, which is most likely because of the lead is African American and the Chinese box office particularly has a stigma towards those actors, which I don't still don't really ever understand. Um, like they when Star Wars The Force Awakens came out, they minimized Finn and all the posters, and it's like, oh, it's a little sketchy but i mean chinese people they just don't buy movies don't buy tickets to see movies like that which sucks but it's just how it is um but honestly not that many films have done well in china recently sans fast x and guardians galaxy volume 3 but i don't think most films besides there's like four franchises that depend heavily on the chinese chinese market that's fast x godzilla versus kong meg and transformers those are the only ones that really need the help of middle kingdom at this point um they've become this audiences have become much more selective especially their government with letting certain films in so i i that market is not what it used to be and i think for the better because i don't want all this money i don't want us catering towards a communist audience <laughs> um but yeah i think Little Mermaid is going to perform really well and it's going to make a ton of money stateside it's absolutely going to crush fast x um and then speaking of fast x i want to talk about its past box office weekend for this past this past weekend uh, fast x came in with an opening of 67.5 million last weekend which is under the 70 million of fast nine and the lowest opening of the franchise stateside since 2006's fast and furious tokyo drift the worst one of the franchise by the way or i don't remember how to write it it's it's like one of the worst ones um this did be industry projections which pegged the movie with opening at 60 million but i would still call that underwhelming for a film that costs 340 million dollars to make with covid procedures and their casts are ballooning size and therefore their budget and they pay their stars really well that's why they get so many oscar winners on there because they pay so well um i think the lower opening of this film has to do with the stank that was left in the mouth of everyone after fast nine and many audiences aren't in love with this movie as i am it's which is sad because i love it um it got a b plus cinema score the same as fast nine which surprised me i saw it again over the weekend and the people that i took with me absolutely loved it and one of them thought it was the best of the franchise i really enjoyed it the second time too although really I, the really awful dialogue stood out more anything to do with the computer talk was so funny because it was so absurd what they were saying it's not my favorite of the franchise but i really enjoyed it and i think it's way above fast nine and i think it deserves to be better than fast nine jason momoa jason momoa is great um the rotten tomatoes for this film has actually dropped to lower than fast nines which has a fast nine has a 59 percent and fast x has a 55 percent how how like i get people hate this movie like how were how do more people hate this movie than fast nine i really don't get it i feel like this was the quintessential fast and furious movie and i will be all there to support this franchise whose last movie i hated um overseas though for box office it's a different story with fast x opening 251 million internationally for a combined total with stateside being 319 million um this is the second biggest debut of the year right behind super mario bros and i think the third biggest of the of this franchise behind furious eight and furious seven um i don't think this 
this movie is going to stand out with many audience members as many audience members just aren't loving as much as I do um, with the, as I said, the B plus cinema score. Um, and then the new movie this weekend, in which I just reviewed was little mermaid, which is looking to blow fast X out of the water in domestic sense worldwide though i think fast x fast x still has china which is i think it made 77 million this past weekend and ariel as i said is not selling tickets there at all so it should do well at least in the middle kingdom um state side it looks to drop in the 60s range which i could be i think it could be high 60s which i don't want to happen but i think it could be which is what is typical now for blockbuster blockbuster unless it is beloved by the audiences um so it will likely come in with around 25 million next weekend but it also have the boost of memorial day to come in around 32 million I don't think it's even going to cast fa- catch Fast 9 stateside, but I do think its debut is good enough to get Fast X a trilogy finish, especially with the overall investment Universal has in this franchise. There's rumors right now, they've it's not even rumors, it's kind of pretty much confirmed, not by Universal itself, but by many, that they're building a Fast and Furious drift roller coaster out in Universal Hollywood. I would love that. I think that'd be great. And it just shows that they, they got too much money invested to still let it end. Um, and speaking of not letting it in, um, this Vin Diesel did an interview recently. He said that tr- with a trilogy in the main line of films coming to an end, uh, Vin Diesel said they started working in 2017 on a female Fast and Furious spinoff. Um, the, announcements, the announcements this man continues to make make me laugh hysterically it's like we only got one more fast and furious movie then we're done guys oh no i think we're gonna add a third one. Oh, i think we're gonna do a female spinoff oh we might do hobbs and straw too i love it don't ever stop vin this is just it's comical at this point i can't wait till they make an snl sketch about it because they always make the best impersonations of vin but th- i appreciate sure they might end up with more marvel movies at this point the way the rate they're going um because at this point this franchise is never ending unless people in china stop seeing it um although i kind of love this idea strictly because a female cast that makes up fast and furious franchise like they're great uh michelle rodriguez i think make her the lead make her the lead and i love everything she's in she was great in my favorite movie of the year dungeons and dragons honor among thieves gal gagot gal gagot gal gagot gal gagot oh my god i can't say it now gal gadot can be in it vanessa kirby from hobbs and shaw and the upcoming mission impossible film Charlize theron um all these women can do incredible with their action i think they could lead a really cool spinoff along with mia and ramsey i think are their names they're they're not my favorite characters but they could be there they can be there we gotta have someone say computer jargon um i don't see this film happening though as they've been working on it since 2017 that was six years ago and who knows how long it's going to take for this mainline franchise to end at this point and i think most of these women would probably age out of those roles and the stunts that come along with it by then they'll probably be in their 60s by that point so yeah fast and furious lives to see another day but i don't think it's got that much left in the tank especially if they keep making these films with budgets of 340 million dollars um and then in other quick box office news guardians galaxy volume 3 held strong in its third week only falling 47 percent to the mid 30 millions which is incredible considering the new competition of fast x and the fact that it lost all of its premium screens so continued continued applause for guardians which will probably end its global run with around around guardians volume 2 level and then or beating it and it could make over 900 million which i think i think it can do because that movie is just so good and i hope i hope it can and then now, sticking with superhero news, look at, look at my transitions. They're so good. They're so good. I went from Little Mermaid box office, Fastbox box office, Guardians Galaxy box office, to superhero stuff. And that is the Flash final trailer. And uh, they put out the final trailer this week, which gave me the same feelings as the last two trailers they put out. I find them pretty good, but I'm just not feeling the proper excitement I should for this film. I don't really want to go into Ezra Miller drama again, but it's definitely having an effect on my excitement. And I think also the fact that this film was supposed to come out five years ago it originally was scheduled to come out in 2018 what's funny though is the flash tv show which ended i think last night that show aired its first episode 
I think the same day that Ezra Miller got announced he was playing Flash. The same day. And that show just had nine seasons and concluded before this film comes out. It's just been so long. Um, I felt my energy drain every single time it, pushed, it was pushed back. I think it got, got pushed back. It got, it's gotten pushed back like six times at this point. Um, also, the CGI still does not look good for this film, particularly the desert scene, which looks to be a climax. It was just, ugh, it looks so gross. And Ezra Miller's face on top of that, it just, makes it, it just compounds it. It compounds it. It makes it worse. And I really hope they can polish it up before the film comes out because it really is distracting me. Um, but after complaining constantly about the past trailers, I kind of want to more focus on the positives this time because I want to be excited about this film. I got to get my pumped up. The one person who is making me excited is Sasha Kaye's Supergirl, who looks really, really cool in this film and looks to be punching everyone in the face and not caring about it uh i can't wait to see her fight zod and i think she's going to put be put through the ringer in this film as you see her eyeliner just gets worse and worse throughout the trailer like oh she's been through some stuff um michael keaton looks great as batman but i still haven't watched his films so i don't have the excitement a lot of older fans do when they see his character return i know that almost got one of the people who never goes and see tyler who i had on for john wick she's like i don't i don't want to see any more movies but then the flash trailer came on and she's like, oh, I'll go see that because I love Michael Keaton. I was like, I didn't realize that many people love Michael Keaton, but a lot of people do. Um, his action dialogue looks cool. I just I just don't know how much an 80-year-old man can do, you know? Um, so a lot of people are excited for that, but it, he's not he's not my demographic. I didn't grow up on his Batman, so I'm not hugely, hugely attached to him. And lastly, I have, I have to mention, I think the stuff with Barry's and mom could be really emotional, and the stuff they put in the trailer so far leads me to believe it. And the music choice of Pink Floyd's time was absolutely perfect for this trailer. Just, it made it a lot better than the past two, because think of that music choice, single-handedly that music choice. Um, the trailer release uh, released to coincide with the fan screening that happened in a few cities earlier this week and boy they went so awfully they only let about i think like six to ten people into a fan screening with the audience was either filled up with families or influencers who could talk about the film people lined up for hours to go to this fan screening and were just turned away like that this is just it's just really bad mismanaging i think it just adds to how badly and funny this movie has been mismanaged over the years this like this just exemplifies all of the problems <laughs> also someone got arrested in a florida screening for trying to film the movie and then started fighting the, fighting the security officer i think this movie is just cursed at this point so yeah those screenings didn't go well but they're also doing an imax early screening monday june 12th in select cities where you can reserve your seats which i did because i will actually be in a city over those dates and i can see the movie four days early i wish it was a movie i was more excited about but i get to see a movie early makes me happy um early box office predictions came out way higher than i expected we did at 115 to 140 million and i think this has to do with the love for michael keaton's batman but i just wanted to mention that because honestly i find that so hard to believe but okay i feel like this movie is going to open up with 70 million that's what my gut is telling me but i may be way off um and then actually just like a quick update here hollywood reporter put out an article a little bit ago that said they're thinking it's going to open with 70 million i'm like oh maybe i am right maybe i am but box office pro put out 115 140 million hollywood reporter put out 70 so who knows it's gonna be somewhere in that range who knows and then elemental also got theirs and they're I, so stupid that they're coming out in the same weekend but i'm gonna do a double feat or i guess i don't have to do a double feature now because i'm seeing flash on monday then i'll see elemental on thursday but yeah it's a good it's a good and then the blackening comes out that same day and i want to see the blackening too stop putting all the good movies out on the same days it's making it hard for me to see all of them uh so yeah the flash and all the drama that came with it will be over in three weeks and hopefully all also, Ezra Miller's, Miller's role as a Flash. Please, Warner Brothers, don't be stupid, but that hasn't stopped them before. 
And then sticking with our Warner Brothers news, um, we got a Barbie trailer as well. I think this trailer actually looks really good. It was a long trailer and shut off more of what the actual film was going to be with Barbie spending most of her time in the main world along with Ken. Um, the opening saw more of the Barbie world. Um, the Barbie world and everything just looks so colorful and fun. And they got a, Dua, a new Dua Lipa, Dua Lipa. They got a new Dua Lipa song, which I'm going to have to listen to because I like Dua Lipa. Um, I think this it looked exactly what it should like look should look like um then barbie gets flat feet and talks about dying ruining the vibe for everyone and then she sets out onto the main world to discover what it's actually like for normal people and i would assume this movie is going to be a lot more focused on women and women's commentary because we see someone slap her butt and she punches them in the face and then she goes to jail sure thing there's some commentary there and you can see it kind of gets more emotional and dramatic at the end with her talking about the younger girls and the older lady and i'm sure we're going to delve into the true message of barbie and ken to people in the real world um the stuff with the heads of mattel will ferrell's playing that role looks to provide more commentary but also looks really funny there was a scene at the end when barbie's running away and everyone trying to grab barbie is just jumping across the screen and just landing it was really funny coming off guard especially when they're trying to get emotional stuff and i get that laughter in my face i laughed um i think this one was going to do very well and i think the film will also be very very good with Greta Gerwig at the helm who made Little Women and her husband Noah Baumbach who's helping write he made one of my favorite movies of all time with Marriage Story so I think both of them are going to bring the fun of Barbie while also delving into the true nature of her character and the meaning of her role in society I've definitely seen this film first before going into Oppenheimer for a double feature on July 21st and then I also wanted to mention briefly that another trailer for No Hard Feelings came out the Jennifer Lawrence comedy um this movie looks to be a comedy that we have been missing from the movie marketplace i love that jennifer lawrence is talk is taking on a role like this and some of the jokes here got me on the floor but i can't repeat them because they are a bit vulgar but i've got my friends and family all excited for this film and i really hope it makes me laugh as much as the trailer does and now i want to get to a couple of films all dropped their first reactions this past week which surprised me but i'm all here for it all these films are coming out in june because we have a stacked june month but the first one i'll talk about I want to talk about them as they go from least positive to most positive. And the first one of that being Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, the fifth, the fifth in the Indiana Jones franchise. So Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny decided to premiere at Cannes Film Festival. But hindsight, but in hindsight, that was not a good idea at all. This film was not catered towards that audience one bit. <laughs> the film got a five minute standing ovation, which was mostly due to Harrison Ford, who was there and has put his heart and soul into these films and all of his films. Okay, maybe not all of his films. I don't know if he put much effort, effort into Anchorman 2, but <laughs> he put effort into Indiana Jones, that's for sure. Um, but for Kane's five-minute standing ovations are really short, and it's a really, really good movie. gets about 15 minutes. So you, as it came out, five minutes... When Five Minute Standing Ovation came out, everybody was like, oh no, that doesn't bode well. Um, short little tangent about that, but I think it's absolutely ridiculous the amount of time they've been standing up and clapping, like, please stop with it. This is what people think of when they say Hollywood Elite. This isn't necessary to stand up for that long and clap. Um, but the review embargo completely dropped for the film, with with it coming in at 49% right now on Rotten Tomatoes, almost evenly divided between those that liked it and those that didn't. And I'm going to re read a few of those reviews that have come out for the film. Uh, <laughs> so... One says, this isn't the goodbye which Harrison Ford deserves. Uh, it's all pretty goofy and laborious over its 142-minute runtime. It counts as sort of a compliment to say that James Mangold's film, unlike a gleefully absurd ending, plays like just another episode in a creaky, unpretentious, unpretentious romp. Um, another one says, the music of John Williams plays again and the adventure begins again without realizing that we've already been there. Um, and then lastly, a more or less orthopedic chain of vibrant action set pieces. So, yeah, it, it's not... It's not too terribly positive and that that makes me really sad i really wanted this film to be great and it seems like though it's <laughs> it seems like a good time for those who enjoy the franchise 
but it's nothing terribly new. I think it's still better than what they cooked up with uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I'm actually kind of a defender of that because I like it. I, I feel like if I like it, I has I have to be a defender of it because so many people hate on the film and think it's the worst thing ever. I think I like Crystal Skull. I like Crystal Skull better than The Last Crusade. Ooh, you hear it here first. But I'm going to rank them before it comes out. Temple of Dune's my favorite, though. Or I'm just giving my whole ranking away at this point. But yeah. I don't think I think they're all pretty much on the same quality level for me. Steven Spielberg is hard to screw up a film. Um, it seems like many of the people that did not like um, Indian Jones' Dial Destiny also didn't like Raiders of the Lost Ark, which makes me question why they saw this film in the first place. And I'm surprised they even put opinions out like that because, man, does that not make people want to listen to your opinion on the fifth film in the franchise? I think the score, though, is going to climb when more general movie critics get to see it because Kane's audiences are very, very selective in what they like. And... I mean, they gave like a 20-minute standing ovation to The Whale last year. The Whale. That movie was like, Brendan Fraser was great, but it wasn't a very good movie. So I think it will end up going to the 70s range, but honestly, I think audiences are going to love this film no matter what. And that's still still seeing it doing exceptionally well over the 4th of July holiday, because no new movies are coming out besides, I think, Asidious, and then Mission Impossible comes out July 12th. But it's got from June 30th through July 12th to make a ton of money over that holiday, and I think it will. This Kane's premiere was a speed bump and a miscalculation for NEA indie, but I still think it'll be fine in the long run. I have faith in director James Mangold. I really hope he can deliver just on the same par as the other ones, which I think he can do. I think he can do as long as he gives give me fun action scenes that seem realistic and there's Indiana Jones spirit. I think he, I believe in him. And then the next film that got early reactions is Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Um, Transformers had its early reactions come out this week, and I honestly wasn't expecting this film to be good. Yes, I know I thought the trailers were really good, as I said before, but that has fooled me before with other Transformers trailers. And it felt like a lot of just metal robots going after one another. And the human characters served kind of one, were kind of one note, and there were only two of them, so I didn't know how I felt about that. Also, I don't like Pete Davidson's comedy. His scenes in Fast X were truly awful. So when it came out like who's going to be voicing one of the main character, main Transformers, that kind of turned me off too. But many are praising this tra- praising this Transformers film to be up there with the best of the franchise right behind Bumblebee, which is a really good film and one that I need to rewatch before this one comes out. I got a lot of rewatching to do for this month of June. So I want to read through some of the reactions here. I have them pulled up. Let's see. Um, Transformers makes good use of the animated movie storyline and integrates the Maximals and Terracorns. Oh my god, I, I just totally butchered that. I have no idea how to say that word. Ter- Terracorns? Maybe I did it. Uh, stakes are high and Scourge is a terrifi- terrifying and powerful villain, action-packed with a lot of heart, albeit with some cheese on the top. That sums from Mark Passis. I don't know. I can't pronounce these people's names. You gotta forgive me. Eric Goldman. Transformers is really fun. It's actually quite funny and the action is strong. I did find my eyes glazing over when they talked about the movie's special object. The series the series sure loves those, but way better than Bay's movies, if not quite Bumblebee level. Um, German Lucier. Totally dug Transformers. It's got some issues in the middle, but it starts strong. It has a fantastic 90s hip-hop. Makes great use of the humans, and the third act is a blast. Plus, I damn near jumped out of my seat at the end, right up there with the first Bay and Bumblebee. Uh, Brandon Davis writes, Transformers plays like the ultimate Saturday morning cartoon. Some dope Transformers action. Anthony Ramos and Pete Davidson are great. Even if some of the dialogue is a little clunky, it's a lean, fun movie and a promising start to something exciting. Um, okay. Block A. Transformers delivers one of the better and more coherent installments in the franchise. They clearly understood what worked well with 2018's Bumblebee as Rise of the Beast had heart and human characters are more likable. Mirage will walk away as a fan favorite, which surprises me because that's Pete Davidson's character. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Um, let's see. Yeah. 
Um, do I want to read that one? I'll read this last one. Um, Mike Reyes writes, Transformers was a blast. The best, the Beast Wars crew finally showed up in what was arguably the best Transformers movie in the run. There's a lot of humor, heart, and Brooklyn pride in here, and it all makes for a throwback popcorn fun. So yeah, those are all pretty positive. Um, it ultimately seems like the first act is a little slow, taking about 20 minutes to get going. The dialogue is cheesy and clunky, although I still think they can do better than the Fast X with its dialogue. Again, the computer jargon, its it makes me laugh, though. It does give me a good laugh, but also it's really stupid. <laughs> um, the action, CGI, and 90s music are excellent, and the final battle is hype. Movie has a lot of heart and is really fun. That final blurb, though, that I just said comes from a Rise, is the Rise of the Beast movie out yet. That I think that's their their twitter handle but he gushes or he or she they gush about this movie and it is so fun i just come sometimes check on their page because they just love this movie and their excitement for it it infects it it infects i don't know if that's the word but it spills over into me and I, they're making me more excited for it, how much they are um the first reactions have been much more excited and that one twitter account you should totally follow that twitter account if you're not feeling the hype for this movie don't go follow that twitter account because he will get you or she will get you pumped up for that um and then lastly, the last one that got new reactions was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, I think this one's going to be the best out of the three. It's going to be the best out of three. I'm not the biggest fan of the original Spider-Verse, but enjoyed Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse, but enjoyed it. And I also haven't seen it in two years, so again, I got to do some rewatching before the new film comes out. But man, have I loved all the trailers they put out for the second film. The emotion and drama of the film seems to be super high, and I love that we were focusing more on Spider-Gwen along with Miles, because they're, they're the two characters I love from that first film. I, I, everybody else could take a little bit, besides maybe this family. Those two. Those two are great. Um, so the first reactions that come out with some calling it the greatest animated film of all time and even better than the first film. I just want to read through a few of them here. Uh, let's see. Andrew J. Salazar. Across the Spider-Verse is yet another milestone for animation. Yes, it's gorgeous and visually mind-blowing, but the sequel surpasses the first for always putting Miles and his family front and center. Spider-Gwen also rightfully steps deeper into the spotlight, co-owning the film. Um, Spider-Man is the best movie of the year. This is from Shabazz, the movie podcast. Spider-Man is the best movie of the year. Groundbreaking animation takes you on a wild, darker journey, interweaving countless Spider-Man characters and jaw-dropping surprises. I found myself repeatedly saying, oh my god, in disbelief. Um, let's see. Joseph Decklemeyer. Oh my gosh, I feel so bad reading these names out because I do so bad with them. Um, the hype is real. Every frame of Spider-Man is gorgeous. I didn't want to blink because I didn't want to miss anything. You can watch this film over and over and find something new to enjoy. There's some surprises in this film that I truly, I truly wasn't expecting. Um, and then Anthony, Spider-Verse is undoubtedly the greatest animated film to ever grace the big screen. A celebration of Spider-Man and a magnum opus of art and style. Spider-Man has never looked so good. Fantastic story, incredible action, and boy does this spider fly. Absolutely spectacular. Um, I think I'll just let me read one more from Brian Davids. Spider-Man is yet another astounding win for Lord Miller produced universe. Haley Steinfeld really comes in her own as Gwen Stacy, and her scenes with Shay Wingham's Captain Stacy are truly special. It's darker inside than I, than I expected, but necessary. Woo! This movie sounds so good. So it seems like Across the Spider-Verse lives up to the hype of its predecessor and exceeds it in some ways. This is truly the film I'm most excited for this summer, and I can't believe it's opening next week. Yes, it's opening next week, so expect my review of it on the next episode of Seen It All. And I think I'm going to really love it, or at least I really hope so. Um, I also have to credit credit to this movie because I think it'll end somewhat on a cliffhanger, but we only have to wait till March, I think 24th, maybe earlier than that, to get the fi the finale of the trilogy. Unlike Fast X Part 2, which we have to wait two years for till 2025, which is ridiculous. Plus the cliffhanger suck because I just hit pause during the middle of the scene. So give me a conclusion of the story, but also leave me on a giant cliffhanger. Please, Spider-Verse, I want it. And uh, so yeah, that's what's coming next week. And then also next week, the succession finale. 
The only other major thing I think dropping next week is the succession finale, which is set up to be an hour and a half long and has so much to unwrap and to conclude what I think could be the best season of television of all time. It is that good, and I think the show is going to sweep the Emmys this fall. I also really want to shiv to win it all, please. Please let it happen. They just can't give it to Greg. Greg just cannot win. I swear, if Greg wins, I will... Oh, it'll make me so mad. I'll come on here and just rant about Greg. (laughs) And then also, speaking of shows out right now, I wanted to quickly mention a show that came out this past week on disney plus that i mentioned last episode that being american born chinese which i binge watched through it's an enjoyable show for the whole family and michelle yo i was worried michelle yo was in like one episode she is in way more of it than i thought she would she's in like almost all the episodes um the action is great but the show really shines with the familiar drama and the parents are probably my favorite characters on the show um the budget is very small however and when they try to pick the gods it comes off really really cheap especially in episode four which i found it just to be really awful the makeup i didn't like it it was so cliche um, I, I just recommend skipping that entire episode. It was that bad. But yeah, if your family is looking for something easy to watch with everyone, I think you will find that in the show, which actually dropped all of its episodes, which I, was, which I was not expecting, but was open to it. And I binge watched it over the past two days, as I said. So yeah, great, good action, good familiar drama, not the biggest budget, but it's a, it's a good, enjoyable time for a family. And I think a lot of people would like it. Um, but That'll do it for this week's episode of Seeing It All. What did you think of The Little Mermaid? And will you be seeing it this weekend? Make sure to come back next weekend for my review of Across the Spider-Verse, which I really hope I love. I feel it. I feel like I'm going to love it. I really hope so. And then also follow us on our social media channels. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Seeing It All Podcast, Seeing It All Show. And you can totally recommend me some topics, and I will take those in consideration and talk about them. But thank you all for listening, and have a good night.